On this morning's show, we are joined by Sunil Keshap, director of FinMet. Good morning, Sunil. Good morning. So let's start with the news of the AI and the US. So these seven companies have uh, decided that they're going to safeguard the US interests. How serious is the AI situation in terms of fake news or how far can it really go? Um, I think you have to look back at uh, what happened with when when the internet was formed, you know, in the sort of mid, early mid 90s. Um, I think what what's happening with AI now is they're trying to correct some of the mistakes made at the time when the internet was launched, uh, where there was there was a lack of clarity about what kind of framework or regulatory framework that, that needs to be set up. Uh, so right now, and then because of that, we saw uh, issues related to internet, related to social media, which we've been trying to address. So I, I think the government as well as the companies want to get ahead of it now and say, look, as we look at this new sort of generational change in the way um, data on the internet is used uh, through AI. Uh, they'd like to get ahead of uh, the issues and try to build some kind of framework. Obviously, the companies want a self-regulatory kind of framework, uh, but I think that's going to be a point of talking point for the next few months to figure out what level of self-regulation versus um, directive regulation is needed. So is it really just the case that, okay, we do know that there could be a lot of fakes out there and therefore that's what we want to safeguard? Is this, say, the government just trying to protect themselves ahead of the election or um, are we now thinking, okay, this can actually be quite damaging to the public? I think it's the last point. I think at the end of the day, uh, the the issue you have is um, when you have AI, you have machines deciding how data is used and how it's portrayed uh, to the general public, it can be quite harmful in many ways because you have an algorithm deciding essentially uh, what happens. And I think what the government wants to do is to avoid a situation that we've seen with with social media in the past uh, where uh, things get out of control and then you're trying to fix it. So, um, so the government's point of view clearly is that uh, they want to they want to stop any kind of harm coming to uh, the general public. Um, from the company's point of view, I think they want to be sh- seen to be the, doing the right thing. Um, and so I'm not sure uh, about their own interest in this, uh, but I think it's got to be a, a partnership between the government and the companies. And at the moment, it's very much safeguarding the U.S. interest. Do you think they're going to start taking that globally or...? Yeah, I mean, there there are similar discussions taking place uh, already in the EU uh, as well as uh, in in Australia. So I think uh, there is a sort of a a collaborative approach um, where there will be discussions. But right now, each um, regulatory body is looking at their own turf. And I mean, sticking to this AI theme... I've read about stuff where you can program robots that then start think critically thinking on their own and then they've got the same type of emotions as humans and they could get rogue. I mean, is is there something that can go as far as that or are we just scaremongering the public when we start talking about those kind of things? <laughs> I think that's an extreme, but I, the, the basic uh, premise is correct, which is basically that you have a situation now that, for the lack of any other term, machines can 
program themselves going forward, right? And so you have a situation where, you, given the right uh, algorithms uh, or the wrong algorithms, uh, you could have a situation where a machine perpetuates um, some malicious uh, software and, and, and then that creates a problem. So that's where I think uh, that's an extreme way of how it can get bad. I think the important thing from a government point of view is to set boundaries or regulations of how these companies program these AI algorithms uh, to ensure that there are safeguards that nothing goes wrong. And these seven companies that are putting it together, you, I mean, I know you said you're not really sure what's in it for them, but is it a case that they're looking to say, okay, we are the good guys and maybe the others aren't so good and therefore you've got to come to us and, you know, you trust us? Maybe that's the angle in which they're looking at? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's they, there's going to be more. I mean, these are big, these are big, big players anyway. So that's, I mean, it encompasses almost 78% of the yeah. industry in AI. I think what they want to do is they want to be engaged with the government that before the government regulates them in a vacuum, they can have an engagement and, and a discussion and, and build the regulations which are practical. Uh, and so that's why the thing is happening. And, and remember, there's also the background of uh, many people on Silicon Valley have been really having you know shouting out and, and saying that this is a doomsday scenario and so something needs to be done so th this this statement that has been made jointly between the government and these companies is really uh trying to get ahead of it and and say that we're working on this but is it a bit of a double-edged sword for some of these companies because as we know i mean especially in places like the us it's such a, a diverse feeling around government so some of the public will go okay if you're aligned with the government Therefore, I don't even I don't want to trust you because now you're selling to Big Brother. Um, so, is there an element of, as I said, a double-edged sword on, on what they're doing? You are get you know you. I think that's obvious. That will always happen at the fr uh, fringes. Uh, but I, you know, I would point out that what's happened with social media, for example, and the impact of social media is so uh, perceptible amongst the American public that they feel that regulation is necessary. Uh, so I think, or at least the majority believe that. So I, I think uh, that's where that's really informing what what the government is doing now. Okay. <laughs> so let's move on to another big news story. That's going to be what's coming up this week, which is the uh, central banks and uh, rate concerns. What are you expecting out of the uh, meetings from from all three, the BOJ, the ECB, and uh, the Fed? Um, I think the BOJ is more of the same, which is basically nothing. Um, and um, with uh, the the Fed, um, you know, it's clear that the 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 market is showing a ninety nine percent probability uh, that there would be an increase, and I believe that's going to happen. Um, so the EU uh, again has a lot of work done to be done, and and they have been very very uh, hawkish. So I think uh, an increase is is um, is almost a done deal. Um, so central banks, um, at least the Western central banks, are uh, still in a raising kind of mood. And do you think this will be the last one for the Fed or any more going forward? I, I, I think it's difficult to speculate. I mean, it's, it's, it's of course, you know, economists um, have a job to try and predict things, but really everything will depend upon uh, the data. Um, there are already signs in the U.S., that um, some of the leading indicators are, are showing a slowdown 
in both um, growth as well as uh, as uh, price inflation and uh, and wage inflation and i think that's uh, that's got to play out over the next few weeks uh, before the the fed decides to act one way or the other uh, so i think it's premature uh, i do think that um, i do worry that the fed shouldn't go hard on um, trying to increase rates without waiting for the data to reflect uh, the changes that they've made. Uh, if you remember when last year when they started, when we started seeing signs of inflation, the Fed really didn't say anything. They were talking about, you know, this is just uh, uh, this is just uh, transitory, and uh, and then they found that it wasn't. So I hope this time around. Uh, on the other side, they are on the other side in terms of uh, of caution and say, look, we're not. Even though the data shows the nominal data shows um, high rates, uh, high inflation rates, we will wait and see the impact uh, before we act again. But like you said, the latest data seems to suggest a slowdown. I mean, you saw even the initial jobless claim, claims were a bit lower than what they're expecting. Um, we are seeing the inflation come down. There's a lot of numbers out there. Where I mean, some might even argue this last twenty or this twenty-five basis points that they're going to raise this week might not even necessarily or be necessary. Um, what do you think in terms of data that were you know that's going to inform the next change? What are they going to be looking at? Do you think that they'll follow this increase up with another increase uh, in the next meeting? No, I mean I think I, I, I actually, as I said, I'm, I'm of the view that I'm not even sure that this one is uh, necessary. But I, I guess everyone is pricing in the rate, uh, the rates to be ri- risen on Wednesday. But like I said, we look at the data and the n- numbers are starting to turn. And now they're starting to talk about the recession again, or whether it's going to be a soft landing, a soft recession. And therefore, that's my question is, why not let these numbers come through over the next few months? And then after summer, make the, the, rate, uh, the decision. But... That, that's my view. I mean, what, what do you think about Japan? I mean, do you think they'll continue to do the yield rate control? And what's the? Yeah, I think so. I like how you've now turned to the host. <laughs> Conversation. Yeah, no, as you said. Um, no, I think uh, Japan. I agree with you in, in terms of Japan. I think they'll just kind of just keep with their yield control, kind of be a bit hawkish. And I think Europe's where the interesting one is because. In some parts, you're seeing inflation come under control. There are other parts where you, you're still a bit concerned. I think they're going to raise. Um, but, yeah, should we talk about, I mean, again, what are your overall thoughts on Europe as a whole? Yeah, you know, I think it's good and bad. I mean, the good thing is um, there's a couple of good things. I would say, you know, we are seeing growth in Europe once again. Um, it's, you know, the overall sentiment is is more positive. Uh, the second good thing is that uh, you know clearly the EU is uh, far more dynamic than it has been in the past and decisive. Um, so that's that's been positive. Um, the, the 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 difficulty, of course, with Europe is is the diversity of the countries and the fact that inflation is still quite high. You know, we are not seeing the slowdown in inflation the way we saw saw in the US, uh, and that's going to be a concern both for EU as well as the UK. I totally agree. And that, in fact, they're the two places I think they need to raise quite a bit more because they're just ones who haven't been able to get inflation under control. And it's very curious as to why. I mean, you're seeing inflation start to come down in a lot of places. Yes, you could say the UK has come down from 8.7% down to 7.9%, but those are still 
very, very high numbers. Um, and I think what's happened over there is because they can, they have, as opposed to it's still being supply chain pressures and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how Europe and UK handle that side of it. And at what point, you know, do the retailers or all these pricing pressures or people who are adding to the pricing pressure realize they can't just hike anymore? Yeah, and perhaps one of the other issues that's going to come up is, is summer. Right? You know, in August yeah. is big vacation time and people are going to spend. And, and from all counts, you hear, um, you know, people are traveling uh, again um, and the, the airline fares are higher, hotel fares, um, tariffs are higher. Uh, so people are spending. Um, so I think even if uh, the EU and, uh, and the Bank of England want um, in spending to reduce, uh, it's not going to happen at least for the next few weeks. So the data is going to start showing this any kind of slowdown only in September or October or November. Yeah, I mean, I came back. I've just come back from a holiday in Europe, and I was in Spain, Portugal, and the UK. And I was in the UK literally one, thirteen months before that, and the inflation you could feel was just incredible. Um, and that's in a thirteen-month period. And you're right, but yet it's booming. People are all out there. Everyone's having a great time. Everyone's spending. Hotel prices are just through the roof. Um, so, yeah, you're probably right on that case where I think after the summer it'll be where they probably get a realistic picture. But until then, it's going to be quite interesting to see how they handle all that. Great. Uh, so we've got about a minute left. Um, let's quickly just touch on this Indian story on BYD. And... Um, Seems like India's now getting in the act, into the act of trying to prevent a bit of China coming into the country. Is that the right way of looking at this story on the fact that they've rejected the proposal for BYD to set up the factory over there? Yeah, there's two underlying factors. I mean, I think the government in India has become very nationalistic. Um, and so this just fits that narrative. Um, I, you know, the, in terms of context, it should be, uh, it should be noted that uh, over let's say about eight or ten years ago, um, a lot of Chinese companies entered India, invested in India, and they were actually the biggest foreign investors um, for some time in India. And they've got a toehold into, for example, the industry of uh, mobiles, software, etc. And so it's only after some time, especially with the the Quad, etc., that, uh, that the Indian government reacted to that. And then they've been actively... Uh, reducing Chinese influence into into the financial sector in the tech sector, and, and I think this is just a function of that that sort of uh, policy. So, do you think if any a lot of any or if any other Chinese company does try and do factories over there, that it will also be prevented, like BYD? It's uh, yeah. I mean, I think you know Xiaomi is suffering some headwinds, um, uh, and uh, even uh, Alibaba has an investment in Paytm, and they had to wind down some of their investment. So this. This, this sort of process is, uh, is ongoing. Yeah. All right. Unfortunately, um, that's all we have time for, but it's been a great discussion and